with Jason Campbell and Henrietta Galina <laughs> and um, we'll be posing the questions and discussing the topics. Today is an interesting one. We're yeah. talking about beauty. We're talking about beauty and we're talking about the the new standard in beauty, if we can call it a standard. Let's, let's phrase it. And if we can call it new. <laughs> okay, let's pose the question. Is there a current shift in the standard of beauty, and I don't think I articulated that very well. Um, Henrietta, please help me with this. I think it's, is there a new beauty movement? You know, okay. are we, okay. are we that's, redefining what that looks like? That's more, that's more accurate and encompassing. Yes. Which for me is a very strange question because it's like, or maybe it's more a case of, um, is there a shift in the way it's being represented? Because obviously we still see the same people on the streets and in our families and in our collective. <laughs> you know, in that in that sort of sense. So I'm thinking, is it more a case of, as it pertains to the establishment and how, you know, people and beauty are being represented through those lenses and those channels? Right. And I think that is what we're talking about. I, for me, it is evident that there is a much more inclusive uh, beauty identity currently. There are, it's more racial inclusive, it's more age inclusive and size inclusive even. I feel that we're in a time that everyone is asking and fighting for representation mm -hmm. and whether or not the business is responding because of that um specifically i'm not sure i'm not I mean, entirely it absolutely sure absolutely is i feel like the establishment from sort of media and and brands um etc are, are been literally being bullied into and shamed into um a more democratic representation of beauty and um and that's fine i'll take it yeah <laughs> i'll absolutely take it but it's it's, it's actually quite wonderful to see what is out there. As I said, I'm seeing, and I, you know, this is, this is at least surface. I'm seeing uh, a lot more black. <laughs> I'm yeah. seeing a lot more black inclusions on the runways in, in some beauty campaigns and just in, in locations where, where uh, beauty is being considered and, and let's say judged. I'm seeing it as being more inclusive. Absolutely. And I think that I think the black and white conversation is an interesting one to be had because I think that's been a big fight. And so what you see now that particularly like spring, summer 18, having kind of just popped off. Now you see a lot of, uh, you know, Indian, Asian, you know, Hispanic, like kind of being like, what about us? Right. So it is. it also kind of brings that question, what is full representation? Because it isn't necessarily just a black, white issue. Um, but it's well, actually, really... actually, let me pause you there. I do want to highlight in this period as well, there has been a movement towards racially in specific identity as well. You know, we're talking about a black and white, but, you know, also for the last five years, there's been a, a search for those uh, personalities, um, those beauties that you can't tell if they're Italian, if they're Spanish, if they're Indian, they could be a, a mixed race black person. That also has been a part of this time. Well, that follows the catalog playbook though, right? Because it's like the whole dream was to find a racially ambiguous, you know, small child and female and male and it's like that's the dream where it's kind of it, it's so racially ambiguous that it it can appeal and identify to all people and all races yes but instead of having that being the 
let's say the black representation, they're like, oh, well, she looks brown colored. That's our, that's our diversity. Now it's like the, the symbol. Now it's not, it's not an addition. It's like the go-to. Like you're like, you're looking at this one person. You're like, well, she could represent the black person, Spanish person, the Italian person, everything. She, you're looking to her to represent all the races almost, uh, rather than I say, rather than say she's the token color in the mix. Right. Yeah, I look at that. I think that's like such a old like playbook thing. It really reminds me of like Catalog World. You know, like that's really how they moved around that whole thing. Fine, um, fair that enough. whole issue. Um, uh, what's really interesting is that now it's almost uh, your minority as a brand or a company um, or a or publication if you are not representing a full diverse spectrum of race and beauty you know so if you look at um the campaign that um do you follow uh, models of color on instagram i do not actually they have a whole campaign against um comme de garçon which is interesting because um what's his name the i forget his name behind um um, is constantly clapping back being like why are you attacking me and they're like because you only cast white people, okay. white man. Oh, exactly. And he keeps clapping back, clapping back, but then still continues to not cast anyone of colour. So this spring, summer, they did a whole campaign on Instagram, which I must admit, I definitely chuckled at. But it was really interesting to see how many, you know, big figures in the industry were liking and commenting and shaking their heads. And so I'm, I'm now interested to see what's going to happen next season. You know, and it's the same with British Vogue, like Alexander Shawman you know, has almost been branded a racist pretty much because they're like, everyone's like, what's your beef with people of colour? Oh, by the because- way, I want to wait, I want to just reverse back to this Comme des Garçons thing. I haven't been fully aware of this, this campaign, but now that you've made me aware of it, okay, this is something to get behind. So people are just like, Absolutely. okay, we're not, no, we're not having this anymore. You're Comme des Garçons and you keep um, uh, sending out um, of just white models down your runway and then you expect everyone to be, to shop at Dover Street Market and Absolutely. to shop your brand, especially when, by the way, you know, there's a major African contingency that fault that buys yeah. uh, Comme des Garçons. Okay. But that's an aside. Uh, yeah. That is a campaign. To, get behind. to be honest, I was really surprised when I saw it because Comme de Garçon is such a specific, um, it's such a specific brand. It's so creative. It, it feels like it would be more, it would almost be the pioneer of like mm. that kind of diverse beauty because it is about the other. So I was actually really surprised to see the catalogue. And that's so telling. You know, people pass out about Recall Kubo. I'm not one of them. I think actually the energy that she infuses into this business is really one that is not particularly inclusive. She's actually created an incredibly narrow lane for herself, but that lane should not include a lack of diversity. So uh, now, now she's even getting my attention in another way. It, yeah, it, she has created a very narrow lane for herself for sure, but I always associate her and her designs with the other you know, almost so um, the idea that it's less conventional beauty, the idea that it's not the same whitewash, the idea of be experimentation and, and just going there. But yet, so what, what we're seeing in this conversation is that it's just, it's like filtered through this white lens and yeah. ultimately that's the, that's the reach. Exactly. And with the argument that she herself is not a white woman. So it's, it's layered. That's layered indeed. That's, that could be another conversation that we may have to revisit. Absolutely. You see that you got my, <laughs> my blood a little. <laughs> Absolutely. But everyone follow the models of color. Um, and, and to that point, the rise of platforms 
like models of color who have a really fantastic Instagram just highlighting and championing new and more established talent um, in the modeling game. So just like really shining that light and promoting those girls. And like, it's a really good resource for brands and casting agents. And, you know, they're just kind of like, we're going to create that for these girls. And I, I really applaud that. Like, oh, I really... I, I think that's fantastic. I, I get will, a lot of life from that account. Well, I will drill down further there. Um, and as a, 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 attached to that, let's say, is um, the size of the models, you know? Ashley Graham is the first one to come to mind, and I have to be careful about this. Is she the only one? But yes. I have to, okay, fair enough. I have to say though, she has been so visible, and her message has been has leveled in so many places that um, that has really come across. That has really come across that she can uh, bridge the divide mm -hmm. and and appear in in, in unexpected places uh, as a as a as a plus size model. I want to see more, but yes. Here's my thing about this. I, I actually love Ashley Graham. I think she goes beyond being like the new supermodel because she's like, she's like one of those girls that in your mind, you're like, we're totally friends. Like she just seems like a girl's girl. She's super real. She's supportive. She's funny. She's that personality. Like she, you know, she has a winning kind of combination of like looks and personality. Um, and she has a banging body. Like let's yes, not get absolutely. that twisted. Absolutely. The one thing that gets to me is that, A, she really kind of is the only one, but also, ah, this is not going to go down well, I imagine, but it's... Spill it. There's something, there's a level of tokenism in the sense that it's palatable, mm -hmm. right? Because it's still fashion and the beauty industry. It's a palatable, I mean, walking down the street, would I even call her plus size? No. Like, it's palatable. I've seen her in person. In she's, the, she's legitimately plus size, I'd say. I mean, yeah, from a, like a high fashion standpoint, but not from like an actual real life standpoint. Fair enough. Fair it, enough. But okay, okay, I'll give you that. Fashion is not is not representative of real life. Let's agree to put that there. But there's a level of tokenism in the sense that it's all very palatable, you know, in the sense that there's you know the whole um, standards of beauty in terms of diversity and. Uh, you go. I need to formulate this. This okay, point but actually, you know, offensive. that's a this. This actually is a is a is a launch pad for um, a, a, a wider conversation. This being around her body type, and in many ways, this new Botero type body type isn't this kind of what she represents and let's be honest that is taking hold and that's taking hold primarily in the people of color community that being that very ample behind very narrow waist and um and some tatas you know this has and the behind is of of size and the kim standard the, the, the kim gold standard the kim gold standards and you see there's a lot of things wrapped up in here the kardashians are wrapped up in here and there's also this new beauty standard where it comes to size it's actually kind of interesting right now that ashley graham i think in a way rep is representing the most visible person that has this body type of this big behind narrow waist big chest like there's a new there's a that's a certifiably new beauty profile right now in life in style not in and in, in fashion in fashion and in fashion i'd probably say that in music fashion nova in yeah. <laughs> i definitely say that in music and just other cultural hubs it's not really that new i mean if you look at even if you look at like women in the rap game like like lil kim 
Well, like no, to, you know, like I, I'm Henrietta, just saying that Henrietta, those are proportions that no, they're now getting butt butt um, surgeries were not prevalent ten years ago. That is uh, definitively something of this age, where literally implants are being put in the butt in order to achieve this silhouette. And this is a this is a really new phenomenon that is uh, a massive craze. Is a is a trend. No, absolutely, and and I'm not I'm not um disputing that. What I'm saying is that silhouette is nothing new. Like it, it, the celebration of that silhouette is certifiably new. That's certifiably new. No, no, in life. No, no, no. Do you think? 100%. I, I, 100%. You know, I, I mean, I can track the history of this thing and this is really, and I would say it's the Kardashian phenomenon. I really would say, I mean, one may say the Kardashians, obviously, they're not necessarily original people, so they may have, um, you know, taken it from the streets, taken it from the, maybe some of the basketball wives, really some of the kids more, say, more on the, on the front lines of this, they took it on and subsequently pushed it back out, and they're given credit for it, but it has happened in this period of time, and it has been, it's really cemented now, it's really cemented as a veritable body type, where if we did a little deeper research, I'm sure that, you know, um, designs, like example, designs of jeans have had to take on a whole different shape, no pun, in terms of the waist and the proportions to the actual body. There, there's never mind. I think Fashion Nova and their stretch denim has a lot to do with this new body type and their success. I think you're right. The celebration of it in a mainstream arena is definitely something that's become more prevalent over the last 10 years. But I mean, from where I grew up, I grew up in Edmonton, like Tottenham, where, um, it, you know, the Afro-Caribbean community, that that body type was very, very a big part of my upbringing. Um, you know, um, in the African culture that I grew up in, it's not desired to be thin. I grew up lanky and gangly and like no one was praising that. People would literally like eat. So I guess from more of a personal standpoint and like what's on the streets and what's in our homes, it's nothing new, but yes, definitely in terms of a mainstream standard of beauty from the Kims to the Nikki's to the, you know, Foxy Browns back in the day, whatever, it's definitely, um, become celebrated. Um, yeah, in a mainstream way. Absolutely. Um, and what do you think about that? The artificial creation of that silhouette? I mean, I really, I don't have anything against it. It's really no different to the nose jobs and the boob jobs that we are familiar with for the past decade, you know, for decades. Um, I I think it's a welcome break from the stick figure, heroin chic um, aesthetic that we've become so used to in fashion. It's not for everyone, which is the whole thing about the surgery. You can definitely tell the women that are not supposed to have that body type. Right. But it's no different to the heroin chic days of the girls that never ate. And you're just like, oh, that's not your body type. You know why I may have a bit of a problem with this movement is because it seems solely engineered for a man's pleasure. That's what I see in this equation. And I, I can't help but to think about that every time I see them. Like, yeah. I think about that woman trying not to be judgmental, but I think about her like, you would alter your body. The ones who have done so artificially, I'm like, you would alter your body really um, to suit the preferences of a man, even a man that you don't necessarily know, but a man you want to attract. But one could say the same thing of the boob job. But for some reason, it's the bum implant. That one kind of gets me. It seems so uh, severe. I feel like because it's so, it feels so new in the mainstream 
you know, because it's interesting that you don't necessarily think that about the boob job, whereas I think 20 years ago you might have. Yeah. So I think that it's just a case of it moving forward to the point where it becomes and feels a bit more like an empowering and bold and move for a woman as opposed to something that is done for the pleasure and service of a man. Fair enough. And actually, this is a segue to the other beauty movement and that being the natural the natural presentation the no makeup the natural hair i'm here for it (laughs) i'm here for it i love it when alicia keys basically vowed that she was never going to wear makeup again but then again it's like on one hand you're so celebrating you're like yes i'm so here for it but then on the other hand i'm like "Mm," but then you're also like actually one of the most beautiful women in the world like you didn't need to wear makeup in the first like can you not tell the difference? Um, sorry. Bare- barely. Barely, barely. You're absolutely right. You know, right. so it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, it's all very well and good, but now show me someone who's actually busted and, like, looks much better with well, makeup, in who's fact, going without and saying, do you know what, all natural. Rock well, <laughs> in fact, we do see a lot of that, uh, Henrietta. That actually, in fact, what has happened, and I wouldn't say that that happened be- exclusively because of... Um, um, what is her name? Alicia Keys. Alicia, because of Alicia Keys. Um, I think she's just, it's not that she started it or she's the first. I think mm-mm. she's just the most notable because she literally was like, I am not wearing makeup. Exactly. However, on the streets, I I, I, I would think you would agree, on the streets I'm seeing, let's, let's say uh, women of color, the way that they have embraced their natural hair, not a process, they don't have a stitch of makeup on, they really seem as though they are are going, they're they're operating on a more meaningful um, uh, platform. If you want to say, if you if you want to say that, they seem like they they have just embraced this. They're living this. They're unapologetic, and it's a very comfortable place for them to be. Though it may not have that obvious man magnet appeal to it. Well, it's really funny because I think that and not in a literal way, but I think the idea of being a man repeller is really interesting. Um, I very recently read an article with Leandra and was kind of, it was funny because I forgot that man repeller was like a thing. It just was always like the name of her platform. And then I was like, oh God, like I remember when, you know, maybe almost 10 years ago now I was working at Topshop and I first heard this term from her platform. And I was like, what's that? And, you know, how much it's kind of come into fruition with, you know, skin is in and, you know, not really caring about repelling men, mm-hmm. becoming a bit more of a, a thing that's it's part of the female consciousness. And I really think that that's really wonderful. But also I think women just got tired. Like a lot the of regime? These, uh, just a lot of these things aren't sustainable. Women like trying to wear makeup in the summer when it's not conducive for their pores or like <laughs> it's like s- s- sweating out and sweating out your weave and like your hair, your, your edges breaking off. Like honestly, like a lot of these unrealistic ideals of beauty are just not conducive for real life. And you know, pain, and, and pain is not gain anymore. Like it just isn't. And so, and we're specifically speaking about people of color here. Let's actually talk about this, like this white natural beauty thing. I have to say, it hasn't been as evident in the white community to me as it has been primarily in the black community. Maybe they're doing the same thing, but it's just not as. It's just not a movement. It's just not a Taraji movement. Taraji P Henson having her natural hair. Yes, is something that people write about, whereas like a Caucasian a person ha- right. wearing their natural hair is just called life. Right. You know? <laughs> And the whole makeup thing 
is interesting because in fashion, there are a lot of Caucasian women who, like Leandra is one of them, Katie Grant, who doesn't wear a stitch of makeup. Mm -hmm. That's part of their kind of cool aesthetic. We associate with the Kate Moss, you know, give zero fucks about, you know, that kind of natural beauty. Whereas I think that for women of colour, particularly black women, it's such a bold statement because of the conditions that have been placed upon us in terms of our standards of beauty particularly with hair i mean just the just the the treatments and the and all of the to do right to actually forego that and just go completely natural is actually a bigger deal i think absolutely we know what it takes to achieve you know the processing for achieving straightened or perm hair or even um having a weave put in or even the maintenance of a wig for that matter that whole straight hair um uh appeal that (laughs) but but the perception the perception from your colleagues perception from you know um white people the perception from men like Oh, yeah. it, like I personally like I remember when I cut my hair more people took issue than it with it than I did like I'd mm-hmm. always had a lot of hair I always had braids I had to get used to seeing myself mm-hmm. I, I think I was maybe 28 29 after 28 29 years of having this be my quote-unquote crown right. I had to get used to it but me processing it was way less um, destructive <laughs> than everyone else breaking it down for me. Like people were asking me what my husband thought. People were asking me about, you know, what if I was single, would I have done it? Like, right. you know, it really was a topic of conversation in a way that it's really interesting to see how we've been conditioned to perceive beauty. Like it made me question how I was being perceived as opposed to what I thought about myself. And, that- and I think that is what beauty stand that's why beauty standards are dangerous you know absolutely but also that's why we're discussing this issue because with the changes that we're seeing it requires a lot more processing you just discussed what you had to go through or what you went through when you made say a radical choice to cut off all your hair um yeah and your eyes may not have been radical but um out there it becomes a massive mm. massive narrative so that in and of itself shows you wh- how why and how this is such a this is such an important um an important subject absolutely and and you look at um you know the whole you know love yourself like give zero fucks about what people think about you you know be comfortable in your own skin yes it's really interesting because that was really reserved for the kind of Beyonce's and Madonna's who (laughs) looked like goddesses all of the time and so actually to really take that and manifest it in a way that makes sense for your life I think is a big part of this natural beauty movement of like yeah I'm I don't look like Alicia Keys but I'm good like that I'm good with this I'm gonna wear no makeup or I'm just like I don't want to do my hair and like, I'm not going to do my hair for you. Like if I grow up my hair, will you come by every day and do it for me? There you go. No, then I'll have no hair and I'm sorry <laughs> if that offends you. Like, honestly, it's gone to the point where I think trying, I would say trying, but like loving myself or at least that journey is actually more important to me than the gold standards of beauty and, um, you know, social media makes it a little bit more challenging because it's in your face all the time. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's like any practice, it's a journey and it's a process. But Well, well you mentioned social media and I, I, I'll, I'll take this, this moment to sort of go over to something else that I'm seeing in, in the beauty movement. And that being 
highly creative using the face as a canvas sort of movement in the in the whole makeup in the whole makeup arts um i i've been i've been blown away by the things that i've been seeing funny enough there's a there's a movement coming out of russia by the way where these um these makeup artists are literally um painting like art level uh, creations on the face. And I'm just seeing on my Instagram, I have a very popular Instagram page that, uh, I, I do a lot of beauty. I, I post a lot of, a lot, a lot of beauty. And I'm just seeing the artistry and the development. And it's not just for Instagram's sake. I do see some of this translating into real life where there's a massive boldness. As you, we've seen a lot of, uh, introduction of like unusual colors in, um, in the makeup role. Like, like women are really, and men as well, men as well are inclusive in this, you know, in this conversation are really embracing a much more dramatic um uh say makeup palette when they do decide to uh to to cover themselves in that way i definitely think it's it's um it's it's now beauty um as an extension of fashion i think it has maybe something to do with the fashion fatigue of just and also stuff out and, and I also think the fashion, instagram age sorry it's, yeah, to, yeah the instagram age absolutely and i think that fashion uh sorry beauty is it it's not so much that it's not as tapped as fashion but there's so much um yeah i guess untapped magic yes i you know agree. so so the idea that it was always close 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 um, and accessories. Now I think makeup is the kind of, you know, you go out and you can just wear a fairly simple, like have the same things in rotation. And it is about the face. Absolutely. And um, you could take all kinds of Instagram shot and diversify your page. But it's really, it, I, I see it as being huge. And I love that these young women primarily are taking incredible, incredible risk when it goes, all of a sudden you see a hot pink, you know, uh, eyeliner and, you know, cross on a cheek and a forest situation over the eyelids. I'm just like, why not? It, it feels very new frontier. It feels like a new arena for experimentation, uh, for really enlivening the presentation to, to an audience. I, I really like it. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, I definitely think that all of this is in the vein of, of, of a do you kind of moment. Like right. everyone's right. really just, I think, <laughs> tapping out of, a, a kind of ubiquitous, homogenous standard of beauty. And I think everyone's trying to break out of the box and do their own thing and, and just do what makes them feel good about them, which I think is really amazing. And I think to the credit of the industry, it is being embraced because I think that a lot of these um, personalities and characters um, are garnering more and more power through social media, through the campaigns, through, you know, building companies and businesses, you know, the Aduas, the Ashley Grahams, like these girls are, they're big money, they're big business, they're, you know, very, very popular on social. And so I think that it's more and more becoming um, embraced because they also come with that message of, do you? Uh, yes. And, but we, however, can't skip over that, Kardashian contouring. Okay, that was me trying to have a really like Oprah positive, I'm like, congratulatory <laughs> moment, and then I'm like, wait a minute, literally bring it in with the Kardashian. Hello, like, because yeah. let's be honest, the Kardashians. We spoke about the body type. We did not. We didn't tack on this whole makeup beauty movement that also has been a part of this presentation. Those skins are poreless. Yeah, everything is con. 
on tour literally to give a, this artificial presentation. And this has been adopted by many, many millions and millions of women, not just in America. You go to the Brazils and you go to Europe and oh, yeah, it's absolutely. all over. That is a, a, a certifiable lane as well. In fact, arguably, I would say that that may be the makeup standard in our culture right now. I mean, I'll give it to them building, you know, Kylie's business is now, I think it's been certified a multi-billion dollar business, like good on her. Kim's probably going to, you know, build the same thing with her beauty empire. But I feel like it's the absolute antithesis of what we've just been talking about. Like the idea of actually contouring on your features (laughs) (laughs) is literally the opposite of Alicia Keys going makeup free. 100%. It's still her doing her. That's awesome. I think, you know, the the contouring and the lip kits and the contouring kits and the face tune and the, you know, filters, like that's already awesome. But like, doesn't it go against what we're talking about in terms of like this idea of self-acceptance? Or could you argue that that's just her being her? Like that's how she feels good. That's really awesome. But I well, I, th- I think what we're talking about, I mean, we, we've broken down um, a diverse landscape. And I think that this is just a part of it. This is, you know... It's that- literally the opposite end of the spectrum. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But yeah. that is an, you know, it, the opposite end of the spectrum and arguably the most important <laughs> uh, bit in that um, I, I see more people on that route than on the natural route, for example. I think it depends on who you follow because I wasn't... <laughs> I wasn't at all trying to dismiss the contouring Kardashian situation. I'm okay. just uninterested in it. Fair enough, fair because enough. But I can't. I very much take a man's stance of like, what do you really look like under there? Which, fair enough. In Kim's case, she's still, you know, very beautiful. I don't know how much of that's been surgically enhanced, but I've, I've seen that without makeup, she still looks great. I'm uninterested in it. And actually, I have seen more of the natural, you know, do you be creative, all of that good stuff. I've seen more of that than I have these girls that are trying to... Well, I would disagree you know. because look at her, look at the other platforms of influence, that being the housewives, like the, the housewives contingency, for example. Look at all of those ladies. Look at the, the, the ladies of hip-hop. Um, you know, hi, what, what do you call that that, that franchise? The hip-hop Hollywood, hip-hop Miami, right. and all of those shows. Look at all of those ladies. Look at all of those people that are looked up to they prescribe to the, the the kim kardashian and the kardashian standard of beauty they are contoured to an inch of their life and that's the standard of beauty you know so that cannot be denied it may be that's on its true. way out to some extent but in terms of its cultural impact it's undeniable that's true but i kind of bring them all together to be honest i think that just has a lot to do with reality tv and being followed and documented within an inch of your life and I and trying to take some control over what But that there's is. no diversity. There's no diversity in the beauty presentation for the right, most part. Right. They're all they're like, you want to be a beautiful woman on television now? You have your bodycon dress, your hair is shiny just so, and you have a contour face. That's kind of the that's kind of the script. And you right. have some you have some pumps. You have some, you have right. some, you know, uh, ver- uh, vertiginous situations going on. Yeah, so, you know, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> you know. That's a good point. I mean I think that is a conversation in itself, in, an, in and of itself, because that has a lot to do with reality TV. Well, fair enough. That- and and what the Kardashians have done in terms of creating a model to be successful 
within that genre. That That's an interesting and, point. And then that merges with beauty. And then there's a whole business component of it as well. Like these right. people are making just a shit ton of money. So it's kind of a bit of a convoluted, but kind of separate, con- like sort of conversation in and of itself. And he- I, see, I absolutely see what you're talking about now that you bring in all of my favorite. <laughs> and this may be a this may be another conversation in and of itself as well. What about the Asian influence? Oh, wait, uh, wait. Have you have you not tapped into that? Okay. Wait. wait can you be more specific? Well, I'm um, if you like... didn't know, if you didn't know, South Korea, Brazil as well, but South Korea and Brazil are the two most influential countries where it comes to beauty. Yes. And then Korea, of course, influences China now because China is the the the, the younger um, generation when it comes to beauty. So they're looking to their Asian um, uh, cousins for influence and they're looking at the South Koreans and so are the Japanese. And the South Koreans are setting that sort of perfect beauty the the flawless you know milky white skin they open their eyes to have that um european standard and um and the surgery is is subtle but effective and everything the look is also with this sort of artificial artifice hard to attain standard that's a big part of the asian movement there's a lot to unpack there because there's a lot of cultural context and subtext as to why that is um which is incredibly complicated like it sounds like it is it wouldn't be but it's it's very layered in colonialism and and advertising and big business and so many many other things um we'll have to bring in our some of our asian counterparts in for um that next conversation absolutely um on a really kind of basic level it kind of makes me feel sad because i feel like there's a component of it not being about a there's a kind of lack of heritage and a lack of self-acceptance in the sense that a lot of those beauty norms and standards are predicated on a caucasian aesthetic yes that is actually fed from messaging it's not even because i think their ideals of beauty on from a caucasian standpoint aren't actually what Caucasian people really look like like do you know like on a really basic level because they're literally seeing these kind of I don't know it's it's really layered but like I said at a really base level it it's sad because it's really predicated on another ideal of beauty that has nothing to do with anything that comes from that space I agree and that's why what we discussed earlier about that natural movement it's great to see that that empowerment amongst a certain audience of women is there now and they're issuing those standards and they are really doing them yeah. and um and those options are there when you see uh when you see a, a young black woman right now with like kinky hair um on a train or something like that in the past I even us as black people would have been like, oh, this thing. Like, she, I mean, my mom would have been like, did you forget to do her hair today? <laughs> if I think my mom would say it anyway. <laughs> like, was like, What's I mean, going on? let's be honest, that, that was the response at one time, probably from each of us as well, Henrietta. It used to be like, okay, this thing, that girl really could sort out her hair. But these days, when you see natural hair that's growing in its natural form and being left that way, yes, you're just like, Good on you. But, yeah. Own that. That too is beautiful. But that I think that's the thing about this whole topic is it's so personal, right? Good point. And it's all about context. So 
back in the day, like in the 90s, when it was all about, you know, Aaliyah and like all of these, yeah, to see a girl with like, you know, nappy hair or like, you know, you would have been like, did you forget what's going on? But now it means so much more because you're not even looking necessarily at what is going on. You're just thinking, I love how you love yourself. Yes. It's all of this context and like, it is so personal. Like I am definitely looking at beauty this year through the lens of being a new mother where I'm looking at the messages that I know my daughter's going to see in the future. I'm looking at the things that I'm, you know, thinking about myself, which then might lend to the way she thinks about herself. So I'm thinking about all of these things. Like I'm not trying to contour because I'm not trying to achieve a look that when I wash it off, you're going to be like, mum, who's that? <laughs> like, I'm not trying to freak anyone out. Like, do you know what I mean? I of also course. feel like the, 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 the movement, because it is a movement. Um, it's not, a, a, it's not necessarily a singular struggle. Like I think, you know, the girl in the nineties that we're talking about, it would have been, you know, and f- for her. Um, and I think that's really important because for me, I'm like, wow, that's a really powerful message because whether it is, the con like because listen there's nothing wrong with the contouring or the like wanting to look like you know the whatever with the surgery if you love yourself and you're genuinely doing it for you that's what you desire of course that do absolutely that. do like, that like cardi b was um she did this instagram rant which i actually really applauded her on because she was like why are people trying to come for me like i did my teeth i got my bum done i got my breast done because I want to look perfect. Like, this is how I feel beautiful. This is right. this is perfect for me. I don't give a shit what you think. Stop coming for me. Right. And I thought, do you know what? Bravo. There was a very authentic energy around it. Well, and she's I'm just, exhibiting her own, her right. own sense of empowerment. Exactly. And, you have to, and it's you have her to... ideal of beauty right. that is em- that's emboldened and empowered. And so I don't have a problem with that. It's the hiding and the shame and the wanting to be someone else right. that... Those and things. the pretense that you woke up like this. <laughs> You've got to give it to her though, with the with the you know and but again it's like she does wake up looking quite fantastic. Good on her, but I think that again that whole I woke up because you see it took on a life of its own that hashtag with like right. and, the and, influencers when I was like Yeah. And I'm speaking about the really did it's not really her, you know, but because people really No, but I was like I was like she was wearing makeup. You're actually wearing makeup because exactly. you didn't look like that at all when you woke up. Um but yeah, as long as you own it and as long as you're doing it for you and as long as you there you know, there's no shame and there's no no cover up, then from the contouring right through to the blank canvas, you know, crazy creative makeup right through to the natural movement. Like the common denominator is if you're doing it for you, Mm -hmm. go forth. Got you. Well, Henrietta, it's clear that there are many sort of sub issues in this larger issue to discuss going forward. So no doubt we'll be revisiting this beauty conversation we will definitely uh, pose those questions and uh, raise those issues going forward. Yes. Bye. Bye.